Hi there. I'm Lee Redhead, a writer and member of Sisters in Crime Australia. Welcome to Scarlet Stiletto Bites, scintillating short stories by Australian women. Our weekly podcast is designed for busy lives. Each murder mystery is short, but not always sweet. Expect twisted tales, quirky humour, imagination, and a frisson of feminism. Sisters in Crime Australia's Scarlet Stiletto Awards were established in 1994 to unearth criminal literary talent. We're producing these podcasts of winning stories to celebrate the sisters' 30th anniversary ceremony in Melbourne in late 2023. The concept designer and narrator is fellow sister, actor, barrister, broadcaster, and best-selling true crime author, Susanna Lopez. Hello, Susanna here. Sometimes an investigation on a hot case unearths revelations about a cold case. In today's story, a rookie constable must sort through her suspicions to find the prime suspect. Tuesday Jocks by Finn J. Ross, 2022 Scarlet Stiletto winner. The missing Tuesday jocks bugged me. According to his wife, Brian Sheridan was anal retentive about his wardrobe, so much so that he compelled her to place his day-labelled jocks in order in his bedside drawer, Monday to Sunday. He'd been missing since Monday night, yet Tuesday's jocks weren't in the drawer. Julie Sheridan was as perplexed as I was when Sergeant Dave Dryden and I had searched the couple's bedroom two days earlier. I'd noticed the neatly layered undies and wondered why anyone needed prompting to change them every day. Or were the Kmart bestsellers designed to remind men what day it was every time they peed? Julie could only speculate that Brian had planned ahead by taking clean jocks to change into after soccer practice. He hadn't been seen since he'd been left to lock up the Kershaw Soccer Club around 9.30pm. Why was I pondering about a man's smalls while wading thigh deep in a muddy dam? The mud oozed between my toes and sucked up my legs, immobilising me. And I'd thought quicksand was the stuff of B-grade movies or long-forgotten Tarzan episodes. Dryden stood on the bank, arms akimbo, supercilious face. Obviously he was relishing the fact that I'd drawn the short straw to wade in and retrieve the bloated, floating body. Two weeks into my posting here, and I was acutely aware of the gender bias of Kershaw Police. Even Joe Green, who'd reported the floater in his dam an hour earlier, sat in his ranger 20 metres away, reluctant to assist. But then he was pushing 80. Where were the search and rescue heavies when you needed them? Don't suppose you'd care to help? Dryden shrugged. Nah, you're doing fine. You're nearly there, cunst. Easy for you to say. And don't 
Call Me Kunst. Sheridan, face down and clad in a striped polo shirt and jeans, was still three or four metres away, but the effort to get to him sapped every muscle. So he had showered and changed after practice. With Amazonian effort, I finally reached out and wedged my fingers under Sheridan's super-tight waistband and pulled him towards me. The thud as his body bumped into me would have knocked me over had I not been stuck fast. My first objective was to peel his waistband down to reveal the elastic band of his jocks. Huh? Thursday. Not Monday or Tuesday. Thursday. Now I was truly perplexed. This wasn't the fastidious man his wife had described. So where were his Monday and Tuesday undies? In his missing sports bag? We'd searched his car, still parked at the soccer ground, along with the clubhouse on Tuesday morning, and found no sports bag. Where was it? Ugh, I groaned. Probably at the bottom of the damn dam. This was one of many questions swimming in my head, like how did he end up in a dam seven kilometres from the clubhouse? Was he suicidal? What didn't his wife know about him? Was he in financial strife? Was he having an affair? We'd asked Julie and all his teammates these questions on Tuesday, but had unearthed nothing untoward. On the surface, Sheridan was an honest, likeable, stand-up guy, a real team player, a respected club captain. Also, did Joe Green know more than he was saying? Or was it, as he'd said, mere coincidence that he'd inspected his dam this morning? I started the sludgy haul back to the bank, thankful that a floating body doesn't weigh much. Then, as my left foot sank into the mud, it met resistance an inch or two down, something hard and smooth, a tree root, the sports bag. (sighs) No avoiding getting completely sodden now, to save me venturing in to find it again. I locked one end of my handcuffs around Sheridan's hand and the other around my belt to stop him floating away. Then I plunged my arm into the opaque brown water and felt around my foot. I clutched the object, about the diameter of my closed hand, and levered it up and down to break the suction of the mud. I pulled hard and when my hand emerged with it, I gasped. A femur, a distinctly human-looking femur. I brandished the bone at Dryden. Well, looky what I found. He looked unimpressed. Probably a cow. Looks human to me. I looked across to Green, who appeared to be contemplating his navel, or asleep. I think we might have some questions for old Joe. I think we should wait for the homicide guys to arrive. Have you called them? Not yet. Well, hello, isn't that your responsibility? Don't need you to tell me how to suck eggs, cunst. Chances are there's a whole lot more bones down here. I mean, somebody would surely miss their femur, don't you think? 
Dryden pulled out his phone and dialed while I continued to tow Sheridan to the edge. Oh, they reckon it'll be six to eight hours until they can get anyone here. Possibly longer for the coroner. Double shooting in Melbourne. Well, I guess that's more important than a probable murder and equally probable cold case in Hicksville, I said as I hauled Sheridan up the bank. I undid the handcuff and plopped onto my bum beside him to recover. I drummed the 40-centimetre bone on my hand. With a few good breaths on board, I asked Dryden to help me flip the body over, and that was when I saw the deep gash in his forehead. So deep it appeared his skull was fractured. Well, I'm not thinking suicide, Dryden observed. I didn't from the start. If he were going to come here to drown himself, surely he'd have driven, not walked. True. I put my socks and shoes back on. I'm going to ask Joe if he heard anything Monday night. (laughs) Good luck, he's deaf as a post. I was halfway across to Joe's car when the glint of sun off the windscreen of a vehicle approaching across the paddock almost blinded me. Finchley Crime Scene Investigation Unit. Well, hallelujah to that. I jogged to steer them clear of the unexamined tyre marks over to the right. No doubt the vehicle in which Sheridan was transported, dead or alive, to his watery grave. Hi, I'm Jordan Mulcahy. You guys might have your work cut out for you, I said as the van pulled up. They introduced themselves as Matt and Shannon, no formalities. I explained that, aside from the floater, we had another suspicious find on our hands. I'm, I'm just going to ask the property owner if he has a, a pump. We'll have to drain the dam. Dryden will give you the heads up. I knocked on Joe's window and motioned for him to wind it down. As he did, country music blared from his car radio, drowning out any prospect of discussion. Could you turn that down, please? What? The radio, I yelled. Turn it down, please. Ah, didn't know it was on. Do you you have a pump? We need to drain the dam. Why? We need to investigate further. Yeah, pumps up at the house. Not being a forensic expert, I had no idea how old the femur might be, but I suspected it had been there a very long time. How long have you lived here, Mr Green? Twenty years. Yeah, 2002 we bought the place. We, that's um, you and your wife? Yeah. What was your wife's name? Is she at home? Sheila? Nah, gone to bingo. Thursday's bingo arvo, and Saturday, and Tuesday night. Who owned the property before you? The Helliers, John and Denise. Are they still around? Well, John is. Lives in town, but he'd know that, Joe said, pointing towards Dryden. And you should know. I mean, their son's your boss. Never met her. They were separated or divorced or whatever. I'd heard the name Sean Hellier mentioned around the station, but evidently Joe didn't know he'd retired a year earlier. Thank you. Now, 
if you wouldn't mind getting the pump. I headed back to the dam and found Matt examining Sheridan's body and Shannon snapping off pictures. Where's Joe gone? Dryden asked. To to get a pump so we can drain the water. Ah, good thought. You didn't tell me this place was originally Hellier's folks. Didn't think it was important. I think it is now. I guess one of us needs to notify Julie Sheridan. You go. We can sort this. Might pay to clean yourself up first. I can get a ride back with these guys. Or or if I'm not too long, I'll come back. Whatever. As I exited the driveway, I sniggered at the sign, Shady Grove, a complete misnomer for a treeless, wheat-bix-coloured acreage. I dashed home, showered, dumped my muddy clothes in the washing machine and donned a fresh uniform before driving the three blocks to Julie Sheridan's home. She was distraught at the news, although I suspected she'd expected a fatal outcome. I made her a cuppa and waited for her to collect herself enough to speak. It wasn't just that Brian was dead. He'd been murdered. God, how am I going to tell the kids? I couldn't offer much advice there, aside from saying I could be on hand when they arrived home from school, if she wanted. How the hell did he end up in a dam? Seven k's away. We're we're still trying to figure that out. Can you think of anyone who who might have done this? I'm, I'm doubtful it was a random attack. Julie shook her head. Everyone loved Brian. He, he was really popular. You're sure he wasn't having an affair or perhaps owed money to somebody? I can't see how he could have had an affair. He always came straight home from work. He was only out on Monday nights for soccer. And aside from his Saturday morning matches, he'd be here all weekend. What time did he usually get home from soccer training? Uh, Around 10.30, sometimes 11. The other players all said they usually left by 9.30. Why was Brian always later? Uh, He'd stay back to do paperwork, you know team selections and stuff. Um, you're only, what, half a block from the soccer ground. Why would he drive? Well, he usually goes straight from work. Did he usually shower and change before he came home? Sometimes. Not always. It appears he did. He was wearing casual clothes. But there's one mystery. What? Thursday, jocks. Julie shook her head. No, not likely. Really weird, at least. Well, that's what I thought. Can we check his drawer again? Julie led me to the bedroom. We looked at each other quizzically upon discovering Brian's Thursday jocks. Did he only have one set? Yes. Tell me, do you know the Helliers? They originally owned the property where we found Brian. Well, actually, John lives just down the street, number 43, I think. But I don't really know him. I, I think he must be old or sick because 
Occasionally I saw the district nurse's car there. I never met her. Gather she left him around 25 years ago. Word was she took off to Queensland with another bloke. What about their son? You mean Sergeant Hellier? I nodded. Oh, only time I ever met him was when he pulled me up for speeding in Main Road a few years back. He seemed like a reasonable guy. Well, I'm new here. I haven't actually met him. Have you found Brian's sports bag? Not yet. We're about to drain the dam. Now, is there someone you can ring for support? Julie said she'd get her neighbour to come in, so I told her I'd be back in touch if we needed more information. What was it with men? Seemed the older they got, the grumpier and more recalcitrant they became, and John Hellier was no exception. I was greeted, no, harumphed at the door by a weedy-weezy man with what I suspected was a perpetual scowl. What do you want? No courtesy to my uniform. I, I have some questions. May I come in? He rolled his eyes, backed away and gestured into a dark, musty living room. What's this all about? Uh, you, you may or may not be aware that a man went missing on Monday. His body has been found in the dam of your former property this morning. What's it got to do with me? Haven't lived there for nigh on twenty years. I nodded. Yes, I, I realise that. Can I ask why you sold the farm? Had a hard turn. Couldn't manage the place on my own after that. Those bloody greens screwed me on the price, then switched from cattle to sheep, which was bloody daft. You'd want to talk to Joe and that bitch of a wife. Oh, what about your wife? Did she help on the farm? Yeah, up to a point. Till she had the bloody accident. After that, she was friggin' useless. The accident? Yeah, got squashed against a fence by a bull. Lost her leg. Oh, that's terrible. Where is she now? Blowed if I know. Bitch took off with someone, hadn't heard boo from her since. Well... When was that? Jeez, you want to know the ins and outs of a duck's bum, don't you? Uh, around 24 years ago. And uh, you, you've no idea where she went? No. And why are you asking about her anyway? She's ancient history. I decided not to mention my find yet. Setting a trap was sometimes more productive. And what about your son? Has he had any contact with her? No. He he never tried to find her? Why? He'd have had the means as a as a police officer, I mean. Dunno. Ask him. I will. Uh, what's his address, please? Oh, and uh, is he married? Not anymore. Murray Street, number 19, but he won't be home. He'll be at bloody golf. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your time. I was about to leave when I had a thought. Sorry, uh, one more thing. Does Sean play soccer? Not anymore. 
I'd bet my bottom dollar that Helia Sr. was on the phone to Helia Jr. before I'd even crossed the threshold to let him know that some bitch of a policewoman was on his path. Although something about Dad's tone gave me the impression he and his son weren't best buds. Why? I was itching to get back to Shady Grove to see what was transpiring. After stopping in a milk bar to grab some Cokes and a salad sandwich, minus beetroot, because I didn't want to risk messing another shirt, I headed back out to Willow Road. I'd thought that today was going to be one of those nothing-happened days. Now I was confronted with two dead bodies. Were they connected? How? Was the Shady Grove waterhole the local dumping place for inconvenient corpses? Were there more bodies? Sure, this was all the domain of the homicide squad, but given they were conspicuous in their absence, I figured I could demonstrate my detective skills. Detective training with a later view to homicide were both on my forward agenda. Despite knowing that Sheila Green wouldn't be there, something prompted me to drive up to the house instead of turning into the paddock. One or other of the Greens was obviously a keen gardener, judging by the neatly trimmed roses, flowering shrubs and well-maintained pots in the house yard. I parked and got out to survey the place. A beeping drew me onto the back veranda and I peered into the first window. A green light flashed on a washing machine, indicating the cycle was finished. In the garden flanking the porch, below the potted geraniums and hanging baskets of fuchsias and vivid zygos, a string of hearts spilled from an unusual planter. A deep, pink plastic cup-shaped thingy attached to a metal post. I seen something like this before, the stainless steel button on the shaft, a dead giveaway. Interesting. Must be one hell of a water pump, I thought, as I parked by what was now a mud bowl. Matt and Shannon were knee-deep in the quagmire, while Dryden stood barefoot at the edge, laying more bones onto a tarp as they were handed to him. A skull, a seemingly entire though broken, ribcage, two scapulars, a pelvic bone, several spinal knuckles, almost enough arm bones, and a jumbled collection of phalanges formed an almost entire skeleton. Beside that, a tarp-covered Brian Sheridan was baking in the sun. Dryden grunted at me. Yeah, back then. Uh, any, any sign of a sports bag? No... Matt was moving his forearm back and forth in the mud, evidently trying to locate something particular. If you're looking for another leg, I suspect you won't find it, I called out to him. He looked up at me. Why? Because I suspect that's Denise Hellier and she only had one leg. Ah, that explains a lot. I thought you'd have figured that out, Dryden. You must have known about Denise. Jesus, cunst. I was, what, seven when she took off? Far as I know, she was never reported as missing. So why would I suspect anything? Who have you been talking to, anyway? 
John Hillier. Yeah? What he say? Told me Denise left him for another man 24 years ago. Well, that's as much as I knew. Well, I've just found her prosthetic leg in the Green's garden. You'd think she might have needed that if she were going away for the rest of her life. I held up the coax. You guys want a break? Matt and Shannon slogged out of the dam and sat, grateful for the respite and refreshment. I walked further along the dam bank and spotted two parallel scores in the dirt running from the rim to the waterline. Hey Shannon, you might have to uh, photograph these. Might be where Brian was dragged in. She came over and snapped off some pictures. Still have to take casts of those tire prints. I headed back to the others. Tell me, Dryden, what was Sean Hellier like as a boss? Okay, why? I just wondered. His dad's a grumpy sort and I thought Sean might have followed suit. I had his moments, but he did everything by the book. Any idea what he's doing with himself now? Keeps himself busy, you know. Rotary, golf, fishing. Uh, The men's shed, I think. Why? Uh, Hello, we're going to need to talk to him. I pointed to Denise Hellier's remains. Yeah, nah, I'd leave that to the homicide guys. Well, they mightn't be here until tomorrow. He'll have got a whiff of this from his father by then. Are you suggesting... That's exactly what I'm suggesting. I also want to find out what he knows about Brian here. I doubt there's any connection. I don't know, but it's highly sus to me. Leave it. You're not on overtime, you know. Time to call it. An order, not a suggestion. I said bye to the others and headed home. What would I do with the rest of the day? Sit at home twiddling my thumbs? No. I detoured to the soccer ground, parked a few metres from where Brian's car had been parked. We'd scoured the whole car park for evidence on Tuesday and had found nothing. No blood, no churned gravel, nothing at all to suggest that a murder might have happened there. But something told me Brian hadn't left there alive. If he had, who did he go with? Dryden had started his car, nothing wrong with it. I checked my notepad, found Nathan Foster's number and dialed. Apart from Brian, he'd been the last player to leave the club on Monday night. And when he answered, I asked whether he could recall if Brian had showered. I don't think he usually does. Pretty sure he was still in his soccer gear when I left. I just figured there wasn't anything more to be gleaned here when I heard footsteps in the gravel. I turned to see a woman led by a beefy black Labrador emerge from the trees. I waved to her and she walked over. Something I can help you with, she said. I introduced myself, asked her name and whether she walked the dog here often. I'm Simone Blake. Oh, and this is Rufus. Every day, if I can, I I live across there. She pointed across the soccer ground. At the same time? No, depends on my shift. I'm a a nurse at the hospital. Why? You, You haven't heard that a man went missing from here on Monday night? 
Nah, all I seem to do these days is work, eat, walk the dog and sleep. I don't even watch TV. What time did you walk Rufus on Monday? Simone thought for a moment. Uh, it have been about 10.30 maybe? In the morning? No, night. Do you recall seeing any cars here then? Yes, there was a, a, a ute thing, like a tradies ute parked there. Couldn't tell you what colour it was because that car park light wasn't on. Did you see anyone? No. Were the clubhouse lights on? No, I, I don't think so. Any other cars? Yes, but not in this car park. It was round the other side of the clubhouse. Can you describe it? Uh, pale colour, maybe white. I think it was one of those old Toyota things with a, a, a fibreglass canopy, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. Didn't see the number plate. I, I can show you where it was, though. I followed Simone round the back of the clubhouse to a grassy area we hadn't searched. It was parked about here, she said. Nose in or nose out? It was, uh, it was back, did. Thanks for your help. I noted Simone's phone number in case I needed to speak to her again and patted Rufus on the head. When they'd gone, I trod carefully through the grass, looking for many clues. It took a while to spot it. A spray of dried blood stuck to a capeweed leaf. I stuck my pen into the ground beside it and called Dryden. Uh, when you're done there, might pay to take Matt and Shannon back to the soccer club. Check out the grass around the back. I've stuck a pen in the ground to mark the spot. What are you doing there? I thought you'd gone home. I just spoke to a woman who saw another car here late Monday night. Oh, okay, now go home, woman. No, I didn't go home. I didn't know when Sean Hellier would arrive home from golf, but I intended to be there when he did. Nobody else was doing much actual questioning, so why not me? I sat in the divvy van outside Hellier's 70-0 brick veneer house, drumming my fingers on the steering wheel. I hoped he wasn't one of those golfers who spent hours after the game at the uh, 19th hole. Something didn't make sense. Well, more than one thing, actually. I was pretty sure that either Sean or his dad, or both, knew that Denise was in the dam and how she got there. But did Sean have some connection with Brian Sheridan? Was it his Toyota? I checked his details and he did have a Hilux registered. Nobody mentioned him being at the soccer club. Well, did he come later? And what for? Did he murder Brian? Why? Did Brian know something about Denise? And if Sean killed Brian, why would he toss him in the dam and risk his mother being found? Maybe he didn't know she was there. Ugh, nothing made sense. What the hell happened? Simone said two cars were there at 10.30, yet no lights were on. Strange. So many questions. Ah, then I remembered. Not so strange. The blackout. 
power went out 20 minutes into the closer. Yeah, I like it. Because I reckon I can learn from Brenda Lee Johnson's interviewing technique. Minus the twangy accent. But I didn't see the rest of it. Power was off for a good 40 minutes, so I gave up and went to bed around 10.40. How could Sean have been doing paperwork in the dark? And why didn't he leave? Was he in the shower? Was he alone? Oh, I no sooner had that thought when I looked up to see a white Toyota ute indicating to turn into the driveway. Well, that answered one question. I had no way of knowing whether his father had warned him about my likely appearance. I got out of the van and followed him into the short driveway. I could see his golf clubs and buggy in the back through the ute window, along with something lumpy under a check blanket. A swarthy, sweatless, impeccably dressed Sean Hellier got out and spoke before I had a chance to. I guess you're the new girl. To what do I owe the pleasure? He seemed affable. Or was it deflection? Yes, Sergeant, uh, 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 Mr Hellier, Constable Jordan McKay. Everyone still calls me Sarge. Good game? Yeah, good day for it. Enough small talk. I have some questions, if, if that's okay. Sure, what about? Was his calmness rehearsed or was I barking up the wrong tree? Uh, do you want to come in? Oh, here's fine for the for the time being. Do you know Brian Sheridan? Of course, I, I was his soccer coach. Have you found him yet? We have. I divulge no more than that. Hellier remained disconcertingly deadpan. When did you see him last? Oh, phew. I don't know, maybe a month ago at the hardware store. I, I was stunned when I heard it was missing. Yes, I, I'm sure you were. So you weren't at the soccer club on Monday night? No, hardly go there anymore. This is your vehicle, yes? Sure is. Uh, it was seen parked behind the soccer club rooms on Monday night. Not likely, I was home all night. Uh-huh. Can anyone verify that? <laughs> really don't think my my neighbours keep tabs on me. The bombshell question to catch him off guard. Are you homosexual? Huh? You've no right to ask me that, you little upstart. Good, I was rattling him. I believe I do. I believe that you and Brian had a regular little Monday night tryst. Perhaps you'd like to shower together? A bit of rumpy-pumpy? Rubbish! You know you ought not to overstep your rank with foolish suppositions. What are you? Straight out of the academy? Yeah, be condescending. That'll shut me up. I suppose, then that if I inspected your underwear drawer or clothes basket, I wouldn't find two pairs of Monday jocks and no Thursday jocks. What the hell are you on about? I'll tell you. 
Sometime during your shower, the power went off, which would explain why you were wearing each other's jocks. You couldn't see whose were whose in the dark. But what happened then? Did you argue about something? Something serious enough to kill him for? Or did you rape him and then murder him? Hellier rolled his eyes. Ah, do go on. This little scenario of yours is just fascinating. I hope to God I was right about my next suppositions. So I suppose that if I checked under the blanket in the ute, I wouldn't find Brian Sheridan's sports bag. Or that if I checked your phone, I wouldn't find a call or message from your father earlier. A warning message. You got a warrant? I bet you don't. You could make my job easier if you just agreed to let me look, you know. Give a girl a break. I pulled out my phone and texted Dryden. Get a warrant to search Sean Hellier's car for sports bag and house for evidence, including undies, and meet me there. He replied instantly, You're kidding. What gives? Not kidding. Hellier handed me his phone and I checked it. No messages from Dad. That surprised me. I suspect you already know that we found Brian's body in the Shady Grove Dam. Hellier feigned surprise. How could I know that? I'm out of the loop now, you know. And I suspect you put it there. Hellier opened his mouth to speak, but I cut him off. What I can't figure out is why you chose there. Was it to be certain your mother would also be found after all these years? Did you murder your mother too? No, I didn't bloody murder my mother and nor did I murder Brian. But you knew about your mother, didn't you? Do you get along with your father? Hellier shrugged. Then it dawned on me. Senior hadn't warned Junior, ergo... They weren't on friendly terms. What was their secret? Ah, your father killed your mother then, and you knew. Either you covered his tracks or or you suspected she was in the dam. Which was it? Either way, you're an accomplice. I expected Hellier to chuck a wobbly. He didn't. He denied nothing. Nor did he admit, yet his shoulders sagged in defeat. Look, I get that you'd cover for your dad, but I don't get Brian. Why did you kill him? I didn't kill him, all right. I loved Brian. Hellier wiped his eyes. No charade. Dad did. He'd found out about me and Brian, and, well, he's an absolute homophobe. We didn't know he was waiting outside the clubhouse with a crowbar. Didn't see him in the dark. Also, wouldn't have thought he'd have the strength to clobber anyone so violently. I could have killed him, but... But he's your dad. That, and I'm no murderer. So let me guess, you put Brian in the dam so we'd be sure to find your mother. Yes. Only way I could think to get back at that bastard. 
I'm sick of covering for him. He bludgeoned Mum to death and now he's killed Brian and you're right. Until you mentioned it, I could not figure out how I ended up with two pairs of Monday jocks. You're very astute, you know. Ever thought of detective training? I have, actually. Uh, We'll have to charge you, you know. He nodded resignedly. I rang Dryden. Charged John Hellier with the murders of Denise Hellier and Brian Sheridan. The end. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love your feedback. Subscribe for free to Scarlet Stiletto Bites wherever you get podcasts. And do visit our website, sistersincrime.org.au.